The Ringer's Charles Holmes and co-host Grace Spellman present the most notorious new podcast in the industry, The Ringer Music Show. Every Tuesday, they'll bring you the latest news, the hottest takes, and the deepest reporting about the wild world of music and the chaotic industry that creates it. Check out The Ringer Music Show exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to the Ringerverse. This is, of course, the Ringer's Nexus podcast feed for all things fandom. And we are Jonathan Little Spidey Kerma. <laughs> Filling in for Selma Steve today. Jonathan Little Spidey Kerma. Okay. We don't have Jomi the Explainer at dinner on. He's actually moonlighting on us. God damn it, Jomi. What the hell is going on? But we still have Coke Baby Chuck, the 24-karat closer, and myself, Old Man Van, here of the receding hairline. And together, we are known as uh, the Midnight Boys. There you go, Little Spidey. Little Spidey right there. Johnny on the spot with the pew-pew sound effect. We appreciate you. We appreciate your, your, your dedication to getting better. <laughs> um, programming reminders before we begin. We're going to be back with our Book of Boba Fett coverage continues Wednesday with the Midnight Boys. Uh, Friday, the House of R is going to be giving their deep dive on the Book of Boba Fett. Now, uh, look, look, I am as big a Book of Boba Fett fan as there has been, but got to admit, there have been some lukewarm reactions out there to, there have been some Luke Skywalker warm reactions (laughs) (laughs) Um, to the Book of Boba Fett now, it doesn't seem like it's blowing people away in the same way that The Mandalorian did, Chuck. No, it is uh, it is way more divisive than I ever thought it would be. But before we get into, you know, uh, the show, Peacemaker, how does it feel, Selma Steve and Jomi the Explainer abandoning us? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I expected it from Jomi. <laughs> Jomi is a man caught between two worlds. Yeah. He's a man in two houses. He is a Midnight Boy, but he's also House of R. You guys have to understand, the Midnight Boys and the House of R have a, it's an alliance 
right? But it's an alliance much like, you know, different factions of the Night's Watch. Like, we protect different parts of the fandom wall is what we do. Oh, I was going to more so say it's like a Johnny Lawrence LaRusso type thing. No, it can't be that. They hate each other. What are you talking about? You got something you want to say about Mallory? No, but they they joined up. They're friends. They're friends. Uh, it doesn't really... It, they joined up, but it only takes one thing for it to go wrong. You know? Yeah, stealing Jomi is the thing that went wrong. We needed Jomi, and he, he picked the side. He picked oh, the side He picked the side. Okay, well, that's cool. On today's show, we're going to be looking into the premiere of the Suicide Squad spinoff, Peacemaker, by asking ourselves... The 10 questions that we have after the Peacemaker premiere. Now, as we do on every single instant reaction podcast that we do, where we're going to talk about stuff that we've already seen, we have to promise not to spoil it to you guys. Because you guys think you're so mad. Run a spoiler warning. We're getting ready to talk about Peacemaker. Peacemaker. You're listening to a reaction podcast. The spoilers are coming. And that they are. Okay, before we get into this, Charles, I just want to get your overall take before we get into the questions. The first three episodes of Peacemaker have dropped. There's no Midnight Manifest, but we pretty much know what's going on with Peacemaker right now. Peacemaker is a spinoff of the Peacemaker character that was introduced in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. This show is executive produced by James Gunn, and he is one of the driving creative forces behind it. Of course, it stars John Cena as the DC anti-hero, sometimes villain, sometimes hero, Peacemaker. Three episodes in. You've seen them all. Do you like the show? Uh, I think it's fair to say both of us went into the show with, or at least the Midnight Boys in general, went in with a little apathy. That's why we asked all of the... Uh, viewers like hey do you want us to talk about this show we just don't know what it's going to be and what it is and i think i entered the show being like hmm james gunn doing a tv show what's it going to be like and i left it being like all right cool uh james gunn did a superhero tv show i i don't have any strong feelings either either way about it um i think by the third episode it does start to click in a way where i was just like all right i'm here for like the more action intrigue part of this show uh but i didn't hate it i i just thought it's kind of what HBO Max and James Gunn pretty much said it was, which is it's him taking this character and having a little bit more fun with it, taking it out of the toy chest. What did you feel? Uh, how did you feel after the first three episodes? I liked it. I liked it. I was a little apprehensive going in just like you because I don't really care about Peacemaker. And there wasn't nearly done enough, if you ask me, in the Suicide Squad to make me care about Peacemaker. But after the three episodes, I kind of care about Peacemaker now. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I do, like, I, I do, it's Peacemaker, you know what I mean? I kind of care about Peacemaker now. There's enough of, there's enough intrigue going on in the show as far as what the butterflies are, all of those different situations to um to make me want to come back. And the dynamic, show these shows like this are all about the dynamics between characters. And they have some really off-the-wall, offbeat, crazy, kooky characters with some interesting things going on themselves. So I, I really enjoyed the first three episodes. And of course... You throw an animal in. Eagly. I'm with it. Eagly. Oh, wait, can I ask you this? Sure. Are these shows getting 
getting too uh, smart with us, where it's just like, if you throw in a cute character, we've said this about Baby Yoda, we've said this about Eagly, we've said this about Pizza Dog. If you throw in an animal, it's just kind of like an extra like point score. You go from an A- minus to an A+, plus just by having something cute in there. It's true. It's definitely true. But at the same time, it works. Hey, I'm, I'm saying it does work. It's it, every single time I'm just like, I'm like, a du- my dumb little lizard brain is just like, oh, all right, cool. <laughs> There's an eagle and it's talking to somebody. Of course, like, give me more of the eagle. I was just wondering, like, we've been doing the show now a lot. And I'm like, every other show has kind of picked up on the fact that if you have a baby Yoda type character, it, people aren't going to hate it. It's like hating a puppy. I love it. <laughs> um, all right. Now, first question. In this Peacemaker episode 10 question run, I already feel like we've kind of answered this, but we're going to ask it anyway. Does this show feel like it's earned its place? Or, Charles, do you feel like this is somewhat of an unnecessary spinoff? I mean, I think the question, in my opinion, is a little flawed because it's just like what shows out here now are... What is earning its place mean? I'm like, Agatha Harkness has a show. We're getting an Andor show. I think it's less in like the Disney plus HBO Max world of like, do these shows earn their place? And more so of just like, people just want more. Like if I'm sitting at home and I've already watched Suicide Squad, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to boot up Peacemaker. I don't give a fuck. Like whether it's good or bad, it's just kind of like, who cares? There's just, there's just so much stuff now. Uh, I don't think anything ever is necessary, uh, but it's not unnecessary. Uh, what about you? Do you think that it had to earn its place or just by the fact that we watched Suicide Squad, you enjoyed it a lot? You're like, I'm going to watch this no matter what happens. So, yeah, I think the whole question of earning its place is 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 obsolete now. I think we're getting into a point, we're getting to a point, should I say, where they tell us what to watch and then we watch it. Yeah. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question about that. Is that a positive development? Because when you think about it, Boba Fett, let's take Boba Fett compared to Peacemaker. Boba Fett, Peacemaker is a character that most people had no idea existed. Boba Fett is a character that everyone that watched Star Wars knew existed. One of the most badass Star Wars characters uh, that's ever lived. It's possible that if done poorly to a lot of people, that the Boba Fett show could actually ruin Boba Fett. So in that case, there are stakes. With Peacemaker, there really aren't very many stakes except for the careers of the creators involved because no one's going to give a fuck if they don't handle Peacemaker correctly, right? Yeah. So I guess the question is, knowing that some characters have stakes and other characters don't, does it dilute things in terms of what we're watching when they just give us every single character? Does it throw I think, them I think all so. in the same? You, you think it does? I, I think it dilutes it because I do think that there is this level of we used to think of Boba Fett as like a movie, as a movie character, as someone bigger than life. And even now with the show, this is nothing against the show. It's just the fact that the more and more we know about it, the mystique, it, there's, there's less mystique. With the Mandalorian, we didn't know who the Mandalorian was. He wasn't this larger-than-life character. So it was, we didn't expect anything. So when we got more, we were surprised. And I think Peacemaker, from everything I'm seeing online, is a similar thing where there's no mystique to Peacemaker. He's not 
even though like he came from a movie, we all watched it on HBO Max. There was no mystique to him. It was just kind of like, all right, dude, that's Peacemaker. Yeah. So people watching the show, I think, are going to be a little bit more surprised because there's not that emotional investment. The reason a lot of people, not you and me, but a lot of people might have been like, eh, on Hawkeye or like Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, is because those were supposed to be movie characters. And when you shrink them down on the TV screen, the mystique is a little gone. Mm. It's tough. It's tough. But this is the era we wanted, guys. We wanted we, an we era of it. nonstop stuff. This is the era we wanted. We wanted this era. All right. Now, uh, question number two. How do you feel about John Cena's performance in this show and how it carries the show? Okay. Is Peacemaker himself a character that can push a show by himself or is he better being a foil and the comic relief to other more serious characters? Chuck, what do you think? Hmm. I'll answer this by that. Have you seen, have you seen the uh, Peacemaker uh, or John Cena on Jimmy Fallon, that clip? He's doing basically, um, he's telling you the origin story of, of his famous like Tony Yayo hand thing and how he basically stole it from Tony Yayo, blew up in the WWE, all that shit. And I was just like, oh, the reason John Cena is so good as Peacemaker is that he's just playing John Cena. I think you said it when we were reviewing the latest Fast and Furious movie where you're just like, I don't really fuck with John Cena as an actor. And I think the reason he works as Peacemaker is that he's not really playing uh Peacemaker as a character, he's almost playing it like a rest- like he would his wrestling persona. He's playing it as himself, just notched up 10, 15, 20 degrees. So in that case, I think it works, especially for a limited run. If you would tell me that there's going to be like six seasons of Peacemaker, I'd be like, I don't, I think that's probably too much. But in terms of like whether, I think it's seven or eight episodes we're getting, I do think that he's just magnetic as John Cena, the celebrity um, playing this character. What about you? Because you were a little bit more lukewarm warm on him in Fast and Furious. Yeah, he sucked in Fast and Furious. It's terrible. <laughs> like, it was, it was ridiculously bad. But this is my thing. Number one, it always bothered me that John Cena obviously took the you can't see me thing from Tony Yayo, and then people didn't know. I would talk to people, be like, that's John Cena. I'd be like, no, that's Tony Yayo. Wait, they didn't know it was from Tony Yayo? A lot of people didn't because they never fucked with the unit like that and they were out of the loop. So maybe they didn't know. And when these people would say that to me, I would be like, could you open your mouth so I could smack it? Because if you smack somebody with an open mouth, sometimes their jaw comes loose. Is that one of like the greatest mini comebacks, that song? What? Uh, shorty so seductive dancing on me. That oh, 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 <laughs> is picking me on. Shorty so seductive dancing on me. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck were we listening to? Shorty so seductive dancing on me. Think about it. It's like a beat's playing and Yayo's in that bitch. Like, oh my God, man, what am I rhyme to this? Like, what am I going to say to this? Like, yo, yo, fifth, what you got? Fifth is like, all right, look, think about it. You're in the club. Girl is dancing on you. How does it, how does she, how she dancing? She, she dances seductive. Yo, <laughs> cool kid, run the beat back. Show this so seductive dancing on no me. Way. Oh, and the whole, cause the whole studio was like, oh, shit. <laughs> we got a hit. Anyway, uh, I like him as Peacemaker. You know what? I think he's playing Peacemaker in a, in, a, in, a, in a different sort of way. I think Peacemaker is weirdly vulnerable. And by the way, there's something that they do here um, that always works. This always works. Take a character you don't like, 
a guy who's an asshole, right? And at the end of Suicide Squad, let's face it, Peacemaker's the asshole. He killed Rick Flagg, right? Which we still haven't really reconciled in this whole thing. He killed Rick Flagg and we're acting like it's not a big deal. Like oh, and crazy. he tried to kill Ratcatcher, the, one of the best characters. Tried to kill Ratcatcher as well. The surefire way to rehabilitate a character is to give them an overbearing father. <laughs> That will never not work. No matter what the person does, when you get home and you see their home life, if they weren't loved, that is something that doesn't matter if you had the best parents in the world. You will always identify with someone who didn't have a loving home. So the one way to to, to re- rehabilitate Peacemaker in this situation to give him a mean ass racist I'm gonna be honest that's James Gunn's secret sauce he's done that shit like three times in all of his superhero movies mm-hmm. anytime he wants you to really like fall in love with the character really quick we got Peter Quill uh-huh. Rat Catcher now we got Peacemaker he's just like I don't know how do I make the audience love this superhero supervillain we're gonna give him a fucked up daddy <laughs> a fucked up dad so for me I think the Peacemaker portrayal by John Cena even though it's obviously like out of this world, it's it's bombastic, it's silly. There's an odd vulnerability to Peacemaker that I think John Cena is playing correctly. I can't put my finger on it. I think there's a there's a it's it's actually said in the show by Danielle Brooks's character, or I think in, in one of the flash forwards, it's just there's something that's weirdly sad about him. Yeah. And you really get that. Like I'm like I'm I'm serious. Like you you really get that there's something sad about Peacemaker. I think he's actually doing a great job with the portrayal of the character. All right. Who is your favorite character? This is question number three. Who is your favorite character and why is it Eagly? It has to be Eagly. Why is it Eagly? Arjuna. I think Arjuna and, uh, uh, and uh, Selma Steve put this together. It, it, like, uh-huh. why is this question here? It's Eagly. Once Eagly like, is in the garage and you see it and then... He hugs Peacemaker. I'm like, all right, it's a wrap. It's it's a wrap. Also, Eagly brought food. Brought the possum, yeah. Eagly dropped a possum. He dropped a fucking possum for Peacemaker. Think about the friends that we have in real life. Jomi steals food. Jomi is the chicken, is the chicken finger bandit. He don't bring shit. He just Jomi's the chicken finger bandit. He steals food. Not Eagly. Eagly brings food. If I would have had Eagly over to my house that night, I might have had some extra chicken fingers or at least some mice or something. He'd have come through and and and, and dropped off some shit for us to enjoy. I love Eagly. I will say this Wait. though. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say before we get off the the food thing. You know what's wild about cats? I have a cat. My son Sushi. Cats, if they show you they love you, they like will kill a rodent and like plop it on like before you, like on the bed, like here. This is like this is my offering to you. Like you're bad at hunting. I love you so much. That's how much Eagly like loves Peacemaker. He's just like, you're kind of bad at eating. Here's this thing for you. You've gone through a rough night. It's like he sees like Peacemaker just had uh, sex with the butterfly chick, you know, and he had to kill her. And Eagly's like, I got you, man. It's been a rough night. Here. I don't want to be loved by a cat. Why not? Why do you, you hate cats? As I'm not, I'm not into cats like that. Cats are fine. I'm glad that you and Mal love cats. Cats are. I'm not about to hate on cat people. But Bozeman brings me one of his toys. He brings me a toy. He says, "Hey, Dad, how you feeling? 
Let's just toy. He doesn't bring me a rodent. You know what I'm saying? A, a, a living being brings me a toy, plops it down. Dad, how are you feeling, man? Let's play catch. You know? Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, some of the characters I do like, <laughs> I like, there's something hilarious about Clemson Murr. Um, I, I don't know what it is. He's so serious while everything else is going off the rails. It just kills me that he's he's got uh, a mission. <laughs> he's got something that he takes very, very seriously. And there's so many hijinks going on at all times that he just can't keep up with the hijinks. He cannot keep up with the hijinks that are going on. Is there is there anything funnier in TV than like, a really old, serious black man. No, like what, there's not. Like, when he goes, uh, what's his face? When Economist goes to him, he's just like, you've never felt an emotion? He's like, you've never felt chili? He's like, chili is an emotion? And he's like, <laughs> I've never felt chili. And I just, <laughs> right. I just loved it. I just loved it. He's like, yo, what's going on here? Like, I, I, I knew the thing was going to, he kept pressing it. And <laughs> it, it wasn't working. I knew it was going to blow up. When he got near it, I just knew it. Because, that's that scene exemplifies the hell that he is in. He is in a hell where nothing's going right until he gets right near enough to see what's what's going wrong. It's funny. I enjoy him. But there's a lot of this great cast. Danielle Brooks playing Waller's daughter. I was surprised. I should have seen that coming. But when when it was revealed, I did think that was a very, very smart move of giving Amanda Waller, who in comic books and especially in the movies, is one of the most ruthless, cold, cold ruthless, yeah. calculating characters. And you give her Autobio, who is just the sweetest, the sweetest character. She's never killed anybody. She has a loving wife. She dresses up her dogs. Like, and I what I'm interested in is it seems like Waller is very much like you have that killer dog in you. Like you have something in you. And I don't know what it is yet that like Waller sees in her daughter that she's like, you wouldn't make a great like secret spy but she knows they always know the more kids you've been around i never forget i'm hanging out i'm hanging out at my brother's place he's got two kids there's a third kid there cousin cousin gets whooped i'm looking at two brothers right the cousin gets whooped one of the brothers there are these are all kids maybe like three two or something like that. One of the cousins, look. one of the brothers looks at his cousin getting whooped and he cries because the cousin <laughs> is getting whooped. Damn. The other brother looks at his cousin getting whooped and he laughs. Ooh. I will Ooh. never forget that. I've been watching that little nigga since. I will never forget that. Ever. I see him sometimes and be like, yo, how you feeling? You good? <laughs> <laughs> straight yeah yeah what you mean i'm like yeah i know y'all got pets and over how the pets feeling oh now don't do that to him i'm, 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 I'm asking him i'm like yo how did he's the killing pets, the little pets in his the, off the, time the, the, the pets good the dog oh, ain't got no man. limp do he <laughs> yeah you know what i'm saying so so what i'm saying is waller can see that in her daughter she knows what's there parents know at an early age his parents listen to this they go yeah i know I know which ones I got to make sure to keep my eye on, keep them on a straight and narrow. You know what I'm saying? I told I told my brother that. I was like, yo, man, hey, bro. Watch him, watch him, watch him, watch him. 
brother to brother. Yeah. What's going on with black nepotism? Black nepotism ain't like white nepotism. White nepotism is great. Like you gotta, you get a, got a son. You're like, all right, you got a, you got the side office. You ain't got to do shit. Here's a bunch of interns. They're gonna do whatever you say. Uh, just don't fuck up anything, and you're gonna get a nice paycheck. Black nepotism. Man, Waller's like, all right, I'm putting you with the worst fucking team on the planet. You're my mole. Uh, you're not well prepared. Uh, good luck. You're with a room full of psychos. Amanda Waller, why can't she just give her a cushy job? You know, like, come on. Uh, this is an argument I have with the community all the time. The rest of the community doesn't respect that. They don't respect you just giving your kids. And I'm not, I'm not meaning to speak for all black people, but where I'm from, I was like, I can't wait till my kids get because I would be like walk, I would be like looking around at the kids at my high school, the white kids, and they would come through stunned. I mean, they would come through stunned. <laughs> I remember one time this girl named Katie. She turned 16 and she got a brand new Jeep Wrangler and she cried. We were at her house and she cried because she got a brand new Jeep Wrangler. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> that car might as well have been a spaceship to me. It was new. <laughs> this one, this wasn't rented or nothing. This is no, new. it was a brand new Jeep Wrangler. Or maybe it was a, no, it was a Jeep Cherokee. It wasn't a Wrangler. The Wrangler is the one with all the, you can sit outside in it. It was a brand new Jeep Cherokee. Damn. It was new. But her friends had the little Benzos and used to pop out with the 300 coupes and all of that shit like that. And she didn't want to be the Jeep Grand, Grand Cherokee girl. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? When I get to that, when my kids get to that age, I'm going to hit them with the heat. I'm going to hit them with that straight up beep boop. You know what I'm saying? That, that alarm system car type <laughs> shit. Wait, but what are you going to do when their friends are like, man, you ain't from the mud. You don't understand the struggle. You don't want to understand. They're going to say, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> They're going to say, I'm not from the mud. Like they, I, I, I'm, I'm very passionate about this. They're going to say, yeah, you're right. I'm not from the mud. I don't understand <laughs> it. Like, like we can ride. No, I'm not from the mud. Cool. And everybody's like, man, you don't want your kids to understand any struggle? Not really. I want them to understand the, the value of, uh, of work. But that don't mean they have to struggle. I'm with you, man. I'm with you know what you. I'm saying? I want them to understand the value of hard work and diligence. But that don't mean they have to, man, you know, you better off. Like, like I, I'm doing pretty well, right? Like, I'm going to come in there and have the light, the light company people come cut the lights off just as an exercise. The fuck are you doing? Just as hey, just tonight, you <laughs> oh, guys. Oh, for Christmas, for Christmas, you ain't get you ain't getting them a, a vending machine that they could that they could hustle. Show them the true. Show them the, the show them the true ropes. Yeah, just just for the night. You know what I'm gonna do tonight? Just for fun, we're gonna dress up in all of our winter coats <laughs> and, and brave the cold together to teach you guys. I mean, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid! Get that dumbass shit out of my face. I hate that shit. Anyway, we digress a little bit. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! So that was a little Midnight Boy signature comedy, the how we go off the rails every now and again. Uh, does James Gunn's question, this is question number four, does James Gunn's signature uh, meandering argument type of comedy work in this? Uh, I'm going to answer first here. At times, it doesn't. Hmm. I'm surprised because I, I thought I was going to have to be the negative Nancy being like, it has like a 60-40 rate? Like 64, yes. 60 it doesn't, and then 40 it does? And I want to know from you first, why Why do you think it doesn't? At times, it keeps you grounded in a scene for a little too long, and it's not the same way. Let's take a, let's take an example of, of, an, of a scene where it works, the quintessential scene where it works to me. The quintessential scene where it works for me, is in the original Guardians when Drax has Gamora and he has his knife to her throat. And Quill is going, Quill does the next slit motion. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and when Quill does the next slit motion, it he's he's going back and forth to Drax. Drax doesn't know what it is. Quill looks at the other guy, he goes, You know this, right? You, you, you like you know, you know this. That little bit works because it's the underlay to a much more serious driving action scene that has real weight to it, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it works because it's disarming us from the fact, it sets a comedic tone that's disarming us from the fact that Drax is about to kill Gamora. Yeah. Right? That there's this is a signature moment. There's not going to be a Guardians of the Galaxy if Drax kills Gamora. So the, the humor there is a tool that is being used to distract us from the fact that something really, really dramatic is happening. And therefore, it sets a tone in Guardians that you're going to have really serious stuff happening, okay? But at the same time, the characters, like Iron Man said, are going to be super plucky about it. Really serious stuff is going to be happening, but there's still going to be this uh, fun-filled rhythm that exists. Okay. In this show, a lot of times it goes on without anything that's grounding it. Yeah. They're just staying in conversations for the sake of drawing them out to make jokes. Sometimes it works, and sometimes you're like, can I get the next scene now? Like, the joke's been played, and there's nothing to hold you. So there's no, there's no, nobody has a, a knife to their neck. There's nothing to hold you there. There's nothing to, to, to make you go, oh my God, I can't. It's just that little rhythm. It's just that little style of humor. And it's sometimes, sometimes it's, this show is very funny, but sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah, I think at his best, James Gunn's comedy 
tells you something about the character. It tells you something emotionally, even if it's small. The reason Drax is so funny is because you learn very early on in Guardians, he's a super literal character. Uh, he's like, nothing goes over my head. Like, you laugh because you're like, oh, in the course of one joke, you understand who Drax is immediately and who he is on this team and what makes him tick. The, there's a couple scenes in the first three episodes where I'm just like, I think in the first episode, you might disagree with me, but the the janitor scene went on too long. It, it did. It got, it, it got to a point where it, it was, was like, funny, but it it went on too long. Like, you're right. Yeah. And it was like, once you got to like, Aquaman fucking fish and all this stuff. I'm like, all right, we got to like, he's like the Dave Chappelle thing, like wrap it up. Let's get to the next scene. And I do think that like what James Gunn doesn't have on this that he has in the MCU is that he has guardrails. I think he has people who are a little bit like, all right, man, we can, you can only get so vulgar. So it forces him to be a little bit quicker, a little bit like more direct. But yeah, I think 60, 40, 60, 60% of it doesn't work. 60, 40% of it works. I have it the other way. It works okay. 60% of the time. 40% of the time, it doesn't work. When it doesn't work, it kind of takes you out of that scene. And you have to refocus a little bit on the next scene. Okay, number five. Do you find Vigilante and Peacemaker sad? Hmm. I mean, I, I, I go back and forth. Because, yes, like, yes, as a human, as an empathetic human, but the minute Peacemaker's dad started dropping all them slurs, I'm just like, dog, would I feel bad for a cop with a racist daddy? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, like, mm. I don't know. I, I was going back and forth. What about you? Like, I, it, it was rough. It was rough. Yeah, they're both sad to me. They're sad because low-rent superheroes are always sad to me. <laughs> they shouldn't be. <laughs> so, so look, so it says, and the next, the next question is, this is a great question. I want to know who wrote this one. Is Batman not as sad a character because he's rich? The answer is yeah. And oh, I, I disagree fully. I disagree so fully. All right, let's talk about it. Give it to me. Chuck, 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 Chuck Wagon. All right, so this might be, this just might be capitalism talking. Karl Marx would be, would be furious with me. But I think okay, rich let's not people... get into Marxism on the podcast. You know? <laughs> the people, it's like we got enough division out there already. You know what I mean? <laughs> Can we leave, Mark? Well, I was going to say is, <laughs> I don't know about you. I find rich people super sad. Like, like Drake, the reason Drake's sad is because, like, he got all the success in the world. He, he like, he's dated Rihanna. He got all the, all the money he wants and shit. And it's just not enough. And I'm just like, dog, like, damn, can you imagine it's just that just not being enough? Like, same thing with Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne got everything. Like, he's dating Catwoman, Tony Ghoul. Like, he got, he got the money. He got the whips and everything. And that motherfucker is still miserable as fuck. Still miserable. Can you imagine that? Like, I, I, that, that to me is so, like, you got money, so it's different. You know, are you, you're sad. I know you're sad, man. Well, well, see, this is the thing. That's not sad. That's scary to me. Okay. Some, like, like, sometimes, you know, because I used to have these moments, and I don't have, like, crazy money. Where where Sometimes we'll be on vacation. Like, we'll be in Anguilla, or we'll be in the islands, or something like that, and it'll be, like, a really nice situation. Like, this last time we went to Turks, we drove jet skis. Like there's this part in Turks where you just, there's this place in Turks called the Shore Club. And the, the water out there in Turks is shallow. So it like comes up to maybe like your waist, right? So it's deep enough to jet ski, but it's also uh, shallow enough that you can stand in it. And it's warm and it's just 
gorgeous. Like, it's so beautiful. So we took jet skis, and you jet ski out to this bar that's actually out, like, in the middle of the ocean. It's like a bar in the middle of the ocean. You can only get there by jet ski. So we took the jet skis out there. So you're out there. You're at this bar. You're in the middle of the ocean. You got a rum punch. And you look out and you go, does it get any better than this, right? And then something scary happens to me to where I go, well, what if it doesn't? (gasps) What if this is as good as it gets? That means it's fucking all downhill from here. You know what I mean? And so the thing that I get when I see these rich people is, and they're not satisfied, I get scared. I'm like, well, God damn. Drake could wake up right now, right now, and be like, you know what? I want to spend a day in the Maldives. And he could fly out there. It's going to take him a day to get there. He could fly out there, then do whatever he wants with whatever like model he wants or whatever. If that's not enough, question becomes like, what's enough? But it's not sad to you that <clears throat> if you're Drake, you got to keep a packet of hot sauce handy at all times. That's sad. In the condom. <laughs> but that's sad. <laughs> but let me tell you what. But, but let me tell you why I'm not uh, like Batman doesn't make me sad because the cool distracts from the sad. Batman is Ooh. a very sad character, right? Batman's a very sad character. Batman got all of this bread. Batman got all of this different shit. And Batman's whole thing is he wakes up in the morning and you know, hey Bruce. You want to go out? <laughs> I must do this for my father. <laughs> and it's very sad. That's very sad. But the fact of the matter is, he's like in the coolest car. He's got the coolest fucking plane. He's got the coolest bat cave. He's got the coolest gadgets. The cool distracts from the fact that this guy is actually tortured. And when these characters like Peacemaker and Vigilante, you don't get any of the cool. You just get the tortured. They're almost like exposed little Batmans because there's nothing to distract you from the fact that they're like obsessed with this one yeah. thing. You know what it's like when I became a music writer and I realized I was just like, there's nothing sadder than like like a rapper that's not doing well. Like a rapper who you like, oh shit, like you got the same like type of apartment I got. Like it's just like, like when you a rapper and you got a mansion, you're like, all right, cool. Well, you see a rapper and they just got a regular apartment. And I'm like, damn, you making your advance is what I make in a year. Like, dog, this shit is sad as fuck, bro. Like, <laughs> Peacemaker is like the like the fucking <laughs> low-level rapper of the DZU. You're like, man, That's shit. That's tough. You still leasing your whip. You still leasing your whip. Helmet's cool. Um, number six. Does the lack of explanation of butterflies ignore you? Or is the mystery intriguing? Chuck Wagon. I think James Gunn is a smart man in the fact that, like, I don't give a fuck about the butterflies or, like, like I just, I care about, like, Judo Master doing some cool shit. I, I care about, like, those small moments when, when Peacemaker, you learn something about his character. Butterflies are just, like, yeah, it's just something to do. It's, like, any cop. Like, my question to you is, like, when you watch Law & Order, do you care about what the crime is every week? No, you care about, like, hanging out with the characters. So, no, I don't, I, like... The butterflies or whatever. They're like window dressing. They're just something to get the characters from here to there. I care about like all the emotional moments and the action moments and the humor. I couldn't disagree more. Really? I'm obsessed with what the butterflies are. Especially now more after after number three. Obviously, uh, we're kind of getting the, the idea that the butterflies seem to be some sort of invasion. Let me tell you why I'm obsessed with who the butterflies are. I'm obsessed with what they are just because obviously they make people super strong and crazy and all of that stuff and they're taking over them. Um, 
Number two, I'm obsessed with why this is a mission for Peacemaker. Hmm. You know, there are other people that seemingly you'd call to handle this, right? Batman exists. We hear them talking about Arkham Asylum. I'm assuming this is the DCEU, so Superman exists. I'm assuming that there are other characters, a litany of characters. I mean, why not Deathstroke? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you know, I'm assuming that there's a litany of characters. I'm the butterflies to me hold entry because there's got to be something about them that makes this a job. Not even for Task Force X because the whole Suicide Squad isn't 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 on this, right? This yeah. is just Peacemaker, and it's something that they killed they that they kept him around for even after he put one in Rick Flag. So. I think that there's something about the butterflies that makes this specifically a job for Peacemaker. I'm not just concerned with who they are. I'm concerned about why Peacemaker is the man for this job because it doesn't seem like he would be the guy that they would they would put this type of situation in the hands of. So I, I want to know what that what that's about. So really quick, this is uh this is a six A question that I have for you. Would you? After seeing how disgusting the butterflies are and drinking the goop, would you have sex with a butterfly like Peacemaker? Jesus Christ. Chuck Wagon. What I want to know. This question. is what the people want to know. Kerm's shaking his head. Kerm definitely would. Kerm definitely. Like, stop. Come on. Kerm. If I knew it was a butterfly before, definitely not. Like, that just, that's well, weird. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't think that a, that a butterfly. Because the butterflies are inside these people's brains, I wouldn't do it because I don't think that you can consent if something's taken over your brain. Mm. Good point. Look at yeah, okay, Charles. Just remember mm. the rules out here. Don't get yourself in trouble. I didn't. <laughs> that's a good observation. You're making me think now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, number seven. What do we think is in store for the mega racist white dragon played by Robert Patrick? You guys might know. As the T-1000 Terminator, Terminator 2. He also came back for a little X-Files. When that show fell off of a cliff, Robert Patrick's been around for a very long, long time. I was never more fearful of any white man ever than I was at the T-1000. It was Really? Uh, the T-1000 was scary to you? Oh, I mean, wait, can you play Hell the, yeah. What? You know why I know it was scary for you? Because, like, you came out. Like, that was, like, the, the height of, of CGI. Yeah, I was 11 we, years old. Kerm, yeah. do you have the, the new drop we have for oh, Van's Jesus age? Christ. Van is old. Really quickly, like, did you see that shit? Did you see the CGI? You like, it's never going to get better than this, guys. G. Willikers. It wasn't G. Willikers. I love how I talk in the olden languages and stuff. <laughs> it's not that I saw the CGI and thought that it was never going to get better than that. Everyone saw that the CGI and thought it wasn't going to get better than that. So shut your mouth. All right, what do we think is in store for the mega racist white dragon? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm interested in, do I think James Gunn will touch it? Probably not. What I'm more fascinated than the white dragon is the fact that the world seems to know possibly about Peacemaker's connection to his father. Everybody's kind of like, Peacemaker, you're racist. Like, the, the janitor is like, you don't kill as many uh, white people as you do people of color. And a lot of people keep bringing this up. So I'm just more interested in understanding 
How much did White Dragon train him? Was Peacemaker at once racist, not racist anymore? Why does the world feel as if he's not to be trusted? Um, we don't really have that information. What about you, Van? I'm interested in the White Dragon character because he's Peacemaker's dad and it's going to have to be some sort of reckoning between him and Peacemaker. Peacemaker doesn't seem to be as overtly racist as his father is. I want to know why. I want to know maybe what who Peacemaker's mother was and maybe her influence on him and, and why he doesn't follow in the same vein of his father, yet he still wants to please his father. And perhaps the fact that Peacemaker is not a racist is the reason why his father is so disappointed in him. Wait, do we know that he's not a racist? Because um, Adebayo does say in the first episode when she goes back to talk to her mom, he's like, pretty sure that guy is racist. And then her, her mom goes, you know who his dad is. Right. So I don't think he's as overtly racist as his father is. I don't, okay. I don't really see that in Peacemaker. I'm sure there's some things. Come on, man. There's some stuff that's in there. It always gets in there, right? But I don't think he hates the blacks as his dad does. <laughs> and also, think about this. When we see his dad in jail, right, stunts on the brother. Not the toughest looking brother they could have cast right there, by the way. What type of black man did you uh, want in that I don't role? Know, man. I don't know. Have 21 Savage sitting there or something like that. If you're gonna if you're gonna try to make this out like he's stunting on a like he's stunting on a real G, have somebody there that you know, have somebody there that look like he's been through something. That, that, that dude looked like the kid from Cobra Kai. But um, who's mean, by the way? That kid from Cobra Kai is mean. They bullied him into being who he is, is and they they got trouble on their hands. Shout out to him. Um, but look at the way they react. The rest of his group, his clan, if you will, react when they see him. Look at the adulation that they gave him. Drop to one knee. Give actually a, this is a Heil Hitler right there. It's pretty aggressive to watch on TV right now. Oh, I um, mean, did did you? I was listening to a Hollywood Reporter podcast. Let me get the name of the podcast. Um. James Gunn was on at TV's top five and he was basically like talking about the things that he could get away with and the things that like the HBO Max people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he had to, I, I think he had to really, really fight for some of the, the dad being racist and some of the other stuff. Can you guess what was the point? What was the line in this that the HBO Max were like too far? You can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. N-word. It was not that. He said it was calling Batman a pussy. They're just like, whoa! Oh, wow. Interesting. You, 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 can, you can say Aquaman's fucking fish. You right. can say Superman got a, might got a shit fetish. You cannot. You cannot say Batman's a pussy. Not our boy. <laughs> right. That's interesting because I, I, I saw in the scene, shout out to all my Jewish brothers and sisters, I saw him call Jewish people the K-word and then in the sentence before that, refer to, like, use the term blacks to describe black people. And you would think that if he was as hardcore as he is, that he would have said blacks, that he would have said the N-word. And it seems to me that they wanted to stay away from that. But oh, yet- they edited that out. I, 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 like, I, I have to believe, because when he was starting listening shit, I'm like, oh, he's, he's going full slur. And I rewatched <laughs> the first episode. I'm like, they made sure to just say black. Yeah, they, they made know, sure to say blacks because, like, you know, but Duray would have been, been on his ass. He would have yeah. been like, nah, we ain't yeah. going to. But I'm not sure what's in store for the character. Um, 
they've put the character in such a bind, and obviously that's a comic accurate character right there of, of the White Dragon, lead of a, a head of a racist kind of syndicate there, super racist supervillain, very scary thought. But we've dealt with that, haven't we? Um, that uh, I'm not sure how you come back from that character being that. Because we've seen the racism, you know, we saw him call the Asian detective lady chopstick. She was she came back with fork, which I thought was kind of I thought that was actually kind of cool. You know, I thought that was kind of cool. He said use spoon, but I thought the fork worked. I can't get out of here, fork. Like your fork ain't been in my chopstick, punk ass motherfucker. All right, number eight. How do we feel about the balance between comedy and intrigue here? I feel like we've touched on it a little bit, but we can go. We've like, touched on Charles it a little bit. bit. I think it gets. Yeah. I think it gets by the time. Episode three happens. I think the balance is right. Episode mm-hmm. three was my favorite episode. Judo Master is hilarious. I, Judo Master I, is hilarious. When he when he's flicking the the hot Cheetos at uh, at Peacemaker, I like I just could not stop laughing. I'm like, this character is fucking so funny. Um, I think it gets better. I think now that it's, we're getting to the point where Peacemaker, we're seeing. We're seeing the mystery. He sees the butterfly. But also, you realize what his line is because we thought that there was no line for him in Suicide Squad. And we realized the line for him is the kids. He, does, he won't kill kids. Like, he's just like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And now I'm kind of interested, like, why, why is that his line um, in the sand? And how did he get there? And the mystery of, like, because we saw in Suicide Squad, we get we get Amanda Waller being like his dad trained him since she since he was young how to be a massacre killer and all these different weapons. So I'm I'm really the intrigue of like how did Peacemaker get here? What's his connection to the butterflies? And why are kids the the line in the sand? I I find fascinating. What about you? I do. Um, you think that killing kids would be a natural line in the sand, but for Peacemaker, it doesn't really seem to be. You know, it seems to be he'd go and bond with his team to turn around and, and put a bullet in anyone. Um, so that was a very, very interesting scene. It was also interesting that Vigilante had no problem with it. Pop, 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 pop. Um, ready to go. But I love Judo Master. I like somebody. I, I don't mind getting into the lore of the lower rank superheroes. And I mean, as with me and Kalika were watching this, I was telling her, I was like, uh, all of these people are from the comics, but you're not really going to get you're not really going to get very many characters that you really know and love because, you know, they're going in a different way here. It's like a different deal that they're doing. It's a different world that they're exploring. I think it's important to, to, to explore that world. Um, so, yeah, I, like I'm, I'm into it. I, I always want an appearance from like a blue blood. That's kind of how I am. You know what I mean? Uh, but I think the comedy and the intrigue come from the fact that they can do a lot with these characters that we don't know that much about. So I think that is very key. So the fact that we're dealing with people that are, for a lot of the audience, unknown entities or unknown quantities, should I say, that brings itself, in and of itself, a little intrigue. Like, Vigilante is an intriguing character. He's an intriguing character because you don't know that much about him. You don't know what to expect from him. So I, I'm a dick in that. Okay, number nine. Will Amanda Waller show up in this show beyond checking in on Leota? What do you think? I, I don't know. I don't know. If, like, they budget. Like, I think Viola is like, yo, I got y'all on Zoom. Uh, but this TV show don't got enough money from me. Nah, come on. Uh, so I, I truly... Isn't she getting Shonda Rhimes money? She was. 
Yeah, she got Shonda Rhimes, but she's like, no, 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 no. Y'all don't understand the, the type of money I'm getting in this TV space. So I think we're just getting Zoom uh, so far. I don't think she's going to pop up. What about you? I personally believe that Viola Davis loves playing Amanda Waller. Oh, she definitely does. She definitely does. Amanda Waller gives her the ability to be the through line, right? Because Amanda Waller's appear in more of these DC movies than anyone. She's really the connective tissue in she's between. She's Nick Fury at this point, basically of these worlds, right? You know, she she's the one that's showing up with 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 different people. Um, so yeah, I think that she enjoys playing this role more than anyone. So I could see her being in more, just because of her dedication to the character. But I can also see them wanting to keep her kind of at an arm's length, and maybe that'll kind of have uh, Leota's character maybe develop a little bit more as the strain from being away from her mom and learning who her mother is. I'm sure she knows who her mother is, but my question is, does she know who her mother really is? Maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. And in order for her to kind of find out some more things about her and, you know, put her mom in context, you wouldn't want to have Waller too, too close. You know what I mean? All right, last question. Maybe the most important question. Who is the best dancer in the opening theme song, Chuck mm. Wagon? Mm. I think, I don't know if they're best, but I think John Cena, for him to be a hulking white boy, you know, and to be so light on his feet, he got to be in the center of the frame. You know what I'm saying? Getting his ja- Janet Jackson on. I got to I gotta give give props to that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying he's like any number of dancers, but, you know, he got some moves. He got some, he got some moves. I got to give it to the old neighbor dude, man. <laughs> I wasn't expecting old school to come like that. Don't hurt him like that, old school. <laughs> Old school came through and dropped his nuts. Don't hurt him like that, old school. I, I bother I bother Kalika because I watch the opening in its entirety every single time. I never skip it, which she hates. She's like, you really going to watch this whole thing? I'm like, yeah. James Gunn said it's for that purpose. You don't like people skipping. I'm uh, I'm with Kalika. Like, I saw it once or twice. I'm like, all right, I'm good. We can skip this. We good. I watch it every time. How many episodes of Peacemaker are there going to be? I think there's going to be seven or eight. Eight episodes of Peacemaker? I'm watching that bitch eight times. I fucks with it, little guy. Okay. Um, overall, I'm enjoying the Peacemaker series. That's all of our questions. I'm enjoying the Peacemaker series. Uh, I understand the cries of people that's a little bit too much for, but I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I know that initially you you have feelings about it. Charles, do you feel like it's after the third episode, it's trending upward for you? It's definitely trending upwards after the third episode. I think HBO Max is definitely doing the strategy right, where it's like, all right, give me three episodes to see if like I want to finish it. And by the third episode, I'm like, all right, cool. Like I like I get it. I'm in this world. I've watched almost a movie's length of it. Like cool. Like I'm excited to at least finish the story and see and see what happens. So it's definitely trending upwards for me. Definitely trending upwards. I'm enjoying Peacemaker. Peacemaker is funny. It's zany. It's irreverent. It is not perfect, but it is very entertaining. Uh, I'm in a good spot. I'm in a good spot. I'm loving Peacemaker. I'm loving Book of Boba Fett. You know what I mean? And uh, let's be clear. The the people got to... You guys don't understand how powerful you are. We're going to keep recapping Boba Fett, but you guys got to run the numbers up if you really want the Peacemaker, us to keep going. 
Um, we're definitely going to do something for, for the finale. But if you want even more content, you got to run this shit up on socials. You got to listen to the pod. Just let us know. We'll, we are going to reward you. We're going to give you what you want. Well, that's what we do here on, <laughs> on the Midnight Boys. We give you guys what you want. If you want more Peacemaker, you got more Peacemaker. But there's a lot of shows out there to watch, baby. There's a lot of stuff. We floated the idea of the Midnight Mulligan, and guess what you guys did? Kicked they it, it down. It's fucking nuts. <laughs> and we listened. We listened. And we listened. You guys are like, hey, I was like, hey, let's revisit the Matrix. They were like, yeah, maybe in like three years. <laughs> We'll go back to it, man. That, but that shows the power of y'all. If y'all are like, nah, we need Peacemaker, 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 run the numbers up and we'll be like, all right, we'll give you more Peacemaker. Right. And by the way, form clans. And I'll tell you what I mean. Because you guys give us so many ideas for shows that you want us to cover that you guys split the vote. All so the you time. Have, all you the have time. The, you have the Foundation people over here. You have the Expanse people over here. You have the Arcane people over here. You have the Cobra Kai people over here. You have all these, yeah, everybody's over everywhere. I love the show Raised by Wolves. Love it. Love Raised by Wolves. The rest of the Midnight Boys don't watch that shit. They don't. And that's a tough watch. You guys have to make political parties. Make political parties. And really lobby for what you want. Because I'm with you, Van. Every time they're just like, we want this show and that show. I'm like, dog, there's like 10 shows here. I don't know yeah. which one is trending upwards. Yeah, yeah. You like, there's people that still want us to do Neon Genius. Evangelion, Genesis, Evangelion, damn, whatever. Man. Like they people that want my hero, Macadamia nut, <laughs> like all of those, like all, like all, all of those things people want us to do. But get us together. We're listening to you guys. Midnight Mulligan is out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, that's a wrap for us today. Wednesday, the Midnight Boys return with our reactions to Book of Boba Fett, and they'll be followed by the House of R. That will be that Friday with an intense deep dive into the show. We'll be checking in on Peacemaker later in the season and giving some thoughts on the finale. We are not going to leave Peacemaker alone. We're going to keep asking questions about Peacemaker. We're going to keep answering questions about Peacemaker. We're into Peacemaker. At Ringiverse is on Facebook, IG, Twitter, and now on Reddit at r slash Ringiverse. Join. It's in questions, ideas, and thoughts. Our producer is Jonathan Little Spidey Kerma. Jomi Adinaram, Free Jomi, hashtag Free Jomi on socials. And additional production today from Steve Allman, Arjuna Rangopal, and of course, producer TD. Charles, take us out. Peacemaker is here. Aquaman is prancing on the sea. Shout out to my man, Yayo. Cause show this seductive dancing on me. Show this seductive dancing on me. I also am obsessed with bald eagles. Remember, really? Is this is this from childhood? Yeah, the whole bald eagle thread that we had that I had on Twitter not too long ago where I asked people if they've ever actually had an encounter with a bald eagle. I've never seen one before. And people talk about how big the bald eagle is that like something you've never you've seen a bald eagle in the wild before? Not in the in the wild. I mean, I don't think many people have seen a bald eagle in the That's wild. What I'm saying. But, I've seen, that, but I've seen a bald eagle like at the zoo, like on on class field trips to different places. Kerm, you've seen you've seen a bald eagle before, right? Definitely at a zoo, I think, like as a kid, but definitely not in the past 10 years. 
But yeah. Van, what, what type of life were you living as a child? Did you never go to the zoo? I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong about this, and we should get into the show here pretty soon, but I feel like the more nature of a place that you grow up in, the less you give a fuck about the zoo. Like, I'm from Louisiana. It's like animals were everywhere. I hunted and went out and, and, and did the land with my father, was out on the land, rest in peace, Van Lathan Sr. Uh, I was out there with the land with my father. And, like, after being out there, you see a moccasin, you see a nutria rat in a pond, you see a big-ass hawk, you see a gator. You see all these animals basically on one fishing trip. All of these animals, all different types of animals. Look at these animals. White-tailed deer, armadillo. You see all of these animals. Like, I'm not going to go and look at more animals. <laughs> this is for city slickers like me. I had no idea you could hunt then. I had no idea you could yeah. hunt. Yeah. Like, yeah, like for real, like you shot a deer and shit. Yeah. Shot and like him. skinned it? Like, did the whole thing? Field dressed him the whole nine. Yeah, for sure. Dog, father, you are such a country boy. <laughs> my father is from Maringwin, Louisiana. Population, <laughs> what, 1800 or something like that? Maybe. So, like, or uh, uh, the Chafalaya Basin, Raymond, uh, down in Cutoff, Louisiana, Opelousas, Zachary, all of these places we go out, we'd hunt, we'd hunt, we'd hunt, we'd do our thing. We're Lathan men, we're men of the country. Anyway. That's Damn, if the world ends, I'm coming over to your, your place, man. Oh, I got I got you covered. Don't worry about it. 